we are in a series called Not As Planned. And, and I don't have to tell you this. You know this happens, right? Just think back over your last week. There's things that happened this last week you didn't plan for. There's things you planned for that didn't happen. It just happens, right? We don't plan for the weather to do what it does. We don't plan for the pollen count to be as high as it's ever been in the history of Georgia. We don't plan for stuff to happen, right? We, we plan for certain things and it doesn't work out for whatever reasons. And if you're here last week, we said we could spend a lot of time and energy just asking why. Well, why is this happening? Is it God? Is it not God? Is it life? Did I do something? We could spend a lot of time asking the why question. And I'm not saying don't ask the why question. I'm saying don't, st- don't stay stuck on the why question. Instead say, well, what do you want to teach me through this, God? What, what, what's my response? What's next? That's really where we want to to land. What's our response? When things don't go as planned, what's next? What do we do next? So to help with that, we're going to go through a story in the Bible. If you have your Bible, head over to Genesis. First book of the Bible, we're going to start in Genesis 12, and we're going to go all the way through chapter 21. Nobody balked at that. Chapters 12 through 21 out of Genesis. Man, well, buckle up. I hope you don't have lunch plans. <laughs> Now we're going to fly through, we're going to bounce around, because it's a long story. We're going to focus on Abraham and Sarah. Now you need to know, Abraham, because we're going to, like I said, we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures throughout, throughout chapter 12 and chapter 21, and, and there's a name change in about the middle of that, where Abram goes from Abram to Abraham, and Sarai goes from Sarai to Sarah. Same people, God just does some cool things, gives them a new name change and stuff, but you're probably familiar, especially if you grew up in Sunday school, went to church early on, in your life, you know Abraham because there's a wonderful song about him. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had, yep, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. You know how it goes, right, exactly. Some of you are like, didn't go to church for that reason. <laughs> yes, no, I'm sorry you got to hear that. So yeah, that's the Abraham we're talking about. And that whole song speaks to this plan that God presented to Abraham and his wife Sarah. This plan or this promise, but what we're going to see is even though God gave them this plan and gave them this promise, the plan didn't go the way they expected. They were given a promise, but when it didn't happen the way they expected, when it didn't happen the way that they thought, when it didn't happen the way that they wanted, we start to see some tension and some difficulties in how they walked through that plan. Because just like I said, Plans are there, but they don't always happen the way we want. They don't always happen the way we expect or the way that we would desire. Part of life. So the question, not why, but what do we do? Let's see what we can learn from Abram, Abraham and his wife, Sarah. So starting in chapter 12, verse 2, here's the plan. Here's the promise that God lays out to Abram. Verse 2 says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will, whoever curses you, I will curse. Look at this. And all peoples on earth, all people on earth will be blessed through you. What a great plan. What a great promise. He's telling Abraham, man, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you kids and, and those kids are going to have descendants and your descendants are going to be so many. And in fact, not just are you going to have a lot of them, they are all going to be blessings. You are going to be a blessing to all people on earth. Verse 4, so Abram went and did as the Lord had told him. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. How old was he? 75. Remember that. Remember that, because we're going to put that in in an order. You're going to see the timing and the time frame that this all took place and that it all took. At this point, he's 75 years old. Him and his wife, they have no kids. 
no kids, but God comes to him and says, man, I've got a plan, I've got a promise. Not only am I going to give you a son and give you descendants, but it is going to become a great nation. You're going to know that I am God because I'm going to fulfill this incredible plan and this incredible promise. Now, if you're Abram and you're Sarah, you're like, this is incredible, this is a great thing. We've waited for so long and we don't have kids and, and now God has finally given us this plan and this promise. I'm so excited. And you know, as soon as you get these plans, as soon as you get that news, if you've had kids or if you've ever been around people that were getting kids, things start to change, don't they? Yes, all of a sudden you get the news that you're going to have a kid and we have to baby-proof the whole house. And you're like, we don't even have a child yet. I know, but we have to be ready. We never know when it might come. Yeah, nine months from now. But anyway... We start to baby-proof the whole house. And then you start to figure out a nursery, and, and you get that room all set up, and then you paint it one color. It wasn't good, so then you painted another color. <laughs> Didn't work out, so you paint another color. I'm not speaking from personal experience at all. And the crib has to be just perfect, and it has to match, and we have to go ahead and get all the clothes. We have to get everything set, everything ready. Things change the moment that plan is in place. I have no doubt it would have been the same for Abram and Sarah, where he goes to his wife, you won't believe the news that God just gave us. We are going to have a son. We've been waiting, and, and now we're going to have a son, and so they're excited, and they're getting everything ready. That started, things started to change in their life. They're ready, and then the month passes, and no pregnancy. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, all in God's timing, right? We've said that before. It's his timing. It's not ours, and next month, next month is, is when this is going to happen. You wait the next month, and... No pregnancy. Well, that's okay. Maybe we misunderstood. Maybe it, it wasn't like an immediate thing, but, you know, a couple months down the road, and you, you wait, and another month, still no pregnancy. In fact, Abram and his wife had to wait month after month after month after month after month and month and month and so on and so on and so on to the point where they're like, is this actually going to happen? I mean, this sounded great. This was... This was a great plan when, when you laid it out, God, but nothing's happening. That's a great promise if you were to actually do something. That's a great plan, but it's not working out the way we expected. It's not working out the way that we had planned, that we had hoped. God, awesome plan, but it's not happening as we had planned. So here's what's interesting is every time Abram and his wife, they, they start to question, they start to are you sure this is still the plan, right? Which we would all do. God, nothing's happening. Month after month after month, years are passing. And God, where's this, where's this promise that you laid out in your plan? Where's it happen? Where's, where's this actually going to happen? What God does is he never really answers their question. All he does is remind them of the plan. That's all he does. He goes back and says, remember, you're going to be a great nation. Remember, I'm going to give you descendants. In fact, that's exactly what he does in chapter 15. He goes to him and he gives them another promise. Chapter 15, verse 1, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. That's great. What a great promise. What an, what an addition to the plan of not just are you going to be this father of a nation because of all your descendants, but I'm going to be with you. I, your God, am your very great reward. But look at Abram's response. It's starting to change. Verse 2, but Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless. What can you give me? What good is your plan, God, if you don't do what you say you're going to do? What good is your promise if you're not fulfilling it? What good is it? I, I believed you, but nothing happened. 
And so now you tell me something else. And I, can I really believe that? He's starting to doubt. He's starting to second guess. He says, I remain childless. What you said was going to happen has not happened, even in verse 3. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. This great plan that you laid out, God, that's not going to be through me. I'm still childless. So it's just going to be somebody in my household. It's going to be a servant in my household. They're going to be the heir to this great promise, this great plan that you laid out. Now, here's what's interesting. He didn't use the word son, did he? He actually said this twice. What did he use instead? Did he... Was he specific? Yeah, he said child, childless. I'm without children. I am childless. He, he doesn't focus on son like that. If you read through the rest of chapter 12, it focuses on a son from you, Abraham, Abram. And we see this happen in the life of Abram and his wife, but we also see it happen in our lives where we have this plan, right? We have high expectations for this plan. And when those expectations aren't met, we get disappointment. And out of disappointment, we lower expectations. And out of lowering expectations, we begin to settle. And that's exactly what we're seeing the beginnings of here. High expectation where God laid out this great plan. You're going to have a son. You're going to have descendants. It's going to be a great nation. And Abram's like, this is great. This is wonderful. Give me a son, just like you promised. But after months and months and months and a long time of it not happening, he just said, I, I don't even have any kids. Like there's not even a glimpse of this plan happening. I don't even have kids. And if you keep reading later on, he even goes even further down, lowering his expectations. And it's just a, just a relative. Okay, if it's not a son, can I just have children? If I can't have children, can I just have a relative that this plan and this promise goes to? Disappointment causes us to lower expectations. And lowering expectations lead us to settling. We do this in all areas of our life. I remember when, when Becky and I, early on in our marriage, we had Connor. We were, we were making the big switch you know what I'm talking about? To a minivan. The big switch to the minivan. Sold my motorcycle, got us a minivan. That's a whole nother grief counseling session. <laughs> but we got this, we, we, so we're like, we have to have a minivan, right? We have to have a minivan. We're, we're going, we willed ourselves, we're going to get a minivan. It's going to make life a lot easier, which it has. Um, but, but we started out with super high expectations. Okay, we're going to get a minivan. What kind of minivan do you want? And so we started just listing. Oh, man, we want to have the leather seats, the cabin with everything that folds down into origami shapes and stuff so you can fit all sorts of stuff in there. We want to have the DVD players. We want to have the sunroof. We want to have the rear camera where you can back up and self-park. We just had this great plan for what we wanted in our new and first minivan. So I take that list. And I start walking around to dealerships. It's like, I would like this. And they said, great, we have that. Here's how much it costs. I said, but I only have this. And they said, you can have the tires off of that van then. <laughs> I said, okay, uh, well, maybe it's another dealer. I mean, I'll bargain. So we go to other dealers. We start looking online. And, and reality begins to set, set in of we actually can't afford that van that we wanted, right? So what do we have to do? We have to go back to the list. All right, let's, what, are, what are things that are non-negotiables? What are things that we can maybe try to live without? And... We start lowering our expectations. We go back out again. Says, so, yeah, we totally have that van. It's right there. Here's how much I have. You can get half of that then. I said, well, that's not going to work either. <laughs> so you see what happens. You finally get down and, and you get to a point where you just say, I just need, here's the requirements. I just need a minivan that has four wheels and turns on. That's it. And we found one. And I'm pleased and proud to tell you we're almost at 300,000 miles with that thing. It's working. Woo! 
see how much. Next week might be a very different illustration. I'm looking for a new minivan. <laughs> but we do that, don't we? We, we start to lower our expe- expectations, and then we just settle. Just, I just need something that works. Just give me something. Something is better than nothing. And that's the place where Abram is. Uh, God, just give me something. Just a relative, somebody that's related to me, or just a child. But I'm not even expecting a son at this point. Yes, in life, sometimes we have too high expectations, but in our relationship with God, there's no such thing. Because what had happened was Abram was lowering his expectations of God. God, I don't think you are gonna be able to do what you said. God, the reason I'm not asking for a son anymore is because I'm not sure you can, but can you at least give me a child, just a child? Can you just give me a relative? Can this promise and this plan at least go towards a relative? He began to lower his expectations of what God could do and God steps in after he says this the very next verse verse 4 here's what God says the word of the Lord then came to him this man will be your heir well I'm sorry this man will not be your heir. talking about the the servant that he was hoping would get this promise this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir in other words God says don't you dare lower your expectations of what I can do don't you dare lower your expectations of me he says, no, you will have a son. It'll be a son from your own body, not somebody else, not a distant relative, not somebody in your household. It will be your son. That's my plan. That's my promise, and you will be a father of nations. And then God does something very interesting. Verse 5, after he said, don't lower your expectations of me, verse 5, he took him outside, said, look about the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteous. Now, if I'm in Abram's spot, having this dialogue with God, and then God stops and says, let's go outside. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. (laughs) Anytime somebody says, let's take it outside, you're like, "Uh, what do I need to get ready for? But I want you to pay attention to what God was doing here. Abram was saying, man, we have been waiting and waiting and waiting. We love your plan, but it's not working as planned. It's not happening, God. So what about just a child? What about just a relative for this plan to work out with? And God says, no, no, don't you dare lower your expectations of me. Let's go outside. See, we get stuck in our own tent. He was living in the desert by himself in a tent. And what happens is we get tent fever. And here's what happens. We get in our own tent, just like Abram would have been in his own tent. We say, God, I don't see you. Are you even there, God? Are you listening to me? We have been waiting for this child, but I don't see you doing anything. Can you hear me through these flimsy walls, God? Are you even still there? I don't hear you. I don't see you. Is anything actually happening? Yoo-hoo. Right? We get stuck in our own tent, and we can only see what's in our own tent. My kids will play in this tent for hours, and they will be in their own little what? world their own little world and Abram had got stuck in his own little world this great plan that God had given him he's only thinking and seeing through his own little world and we do that exact same thing we get stuck in our very own tent these great plans that we have we we, we've heard and we've seen but we get stuck in our tent we're like okay God what about this job that that I feel like you've been preparing me for when's that going to actually happen are you actually do you even care God what I'm still waiting on that kid that you, you told me that we would probably have. God, I'm waiting for the, the finances to start working out. You said if I trusted you and I followed you, then man, you would take care of me. I'm not seeing that yet. 
God, I'm not married and, and I feel like I should be, but what's, what's that happen? When's that gonna happen? How's that gonna work? God, I feel like I'm just in limbo and, and nothing is working out the way that I had planned or the way that I felt like you were leading me and we get stuck in this tent because we can't see anything outside of these walls. And you have to understand when we don't see God working, we assume he's not. When we get stuck in our tent and don't see him moving, don't hear him speaking, don't see the evidence of him working, we assume he's just absent. So Abram was in this spot, which we find ourselves here plenty of times. And after he said, don't lower your expectations of me, the only thing he said next was, let's get out of the tent. So he pulled Abram out of the tent. He gets out of the tent. And what was the very first thing he said to do once he got out of the tent? Where to look? Look up at the stars. Now imagine you're Abram, you're living in the desert, there's no like light pollution, no cities around. You're out in the desert living in a tent, God calls you out of the tent and you look up, your jaw would drop. God's speaking to Abram's heart saying, don't lower your expectation of the one who put the stars in the sky. Your little world and my big world are very, very different, aren't they? Isaiah even speaks to this. You don't have to turn there, I'll put it on the screen for you. Isaiah 55 says this, Verse eight and nine, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God's, God is saying, that's your little world, this is my big world. You're not gonna understand everything. You're not gonna see everything. But we have to get out of our tent. That's why he called Abram out of the tent. Look up. See the stars? And then he reminded him of a promise. Took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars if you can. That's how many offspring you're going to have. The plan hasn't changed, Abram. The promise hasn't changed, but yes, it's difficult to see it. And no, it's not fitting in the way that you would expect. What we see happen for them as well as for us is when we get a plan or we're given a plan or we have a promise, but then there's gaps within that plan, right? Because all God said was, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to be the father of many. He didn't tell him when. He didn't exactly say how. He didn't give him all the details. So what happens is Abram and his wife started to plug in the details with their own preferences and their own hopes and their own desires. We do the same thing. We get a promise. We get a plan. And, well, it's not very specific. So we start to fill in all the gaps. But what happens is when those gaps that we fill, when those expectations aren't met, that's the disappointment. Just like Abram went through, just like his wife went through, just like we go through, our expectations, not, not what God is doing, but our expectation of what God can do, we begin to lower it and lower it and lower it and lower it out of disappointment, out of frustration, out of a lack of patience to a place where we begin to settle. And God says, don't you dare settle. I'm so much bigger than what you see. Verse six said that Abram believed in the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. In that moment, Abram's like, okay, I got you. I get it. As much as I can get it, I get it. But what we also see, if you were to keep reading through, Abram and his wife, they believed, but it's still a struggle because he had to think, man, we've got a renewed sense of purpose now. Like, hey, he goes to his wife, God talked to me again, and he pulled me out of the tent. I saw the stars. And, man, the plan is still in place. The plan is still in motion. The promise is still there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I bet we have our son at the end of the month. This is great. And the month passes, and no pregnancy. And then another month, and then another month, and then another month, and they feel like they're exactly where they started again. 
So what you see Abram and his wife do is they start to take matters under their own hands. They go into fix-it mode. We do that, don't we? God, your, your timing is not very good, so help, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. We do God a favor. We say, I'll step in and I'll help you out. <laughs> you don't seem to be able to do this on your own, God, so I'll take it upon me to help you along the way. That's basically what they tried to do. They tried to help God's plan move forward, and obviously, you know, it doesn't work out very well. So even though they believed, there's still doubts. Even though they believed, there's still struggles. Even though they believed, there's still difficulties when things don't go as planned. Even to the point where, again, God reminds them. That's all God has been doing. Here's the plan. Here's the plan. Here's my promise. He doesn't explain it. He just says, remember. In chapter 17, you even see he, he reminds Abraham, and this is where the name change happens, reminds Abraham of the plan. Even talking about his wife, Sarah, verse 16 out of chapter 17 says, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. In other words, don't you dare lower that expectation again. I'm going to give you a son by her. Abraham and Sarah, you will have a son. It says, I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Kings, I'm reminding you, Abraham, of the promise and the plan that I've given you. Abraham's response changes yet again. Verse 17, look at this one. Abraham, after God gave him this, this moment again of, remember, here's what I've planned for you. Verse 17, Abraham fell face down and he what? Laughed. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? He laughed. Now remember, how old was Abraham when this promise and plan was set out? 75. How old is he now? All right, so let's do the math. How long has this taken? Good job. 9.30 was a lot slower with that. Way to go. 25 years of not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. 25 years of not yet. And what's interesting is Abraham gets to a point where he literally laughs. He says, God, I just don't even see how this is possible. And I believe that's where God said, exactly, now we can start moving forward. Because it's in the moment where we keep that expectation so high that then it's a real miracle. Then it becomes truly amazing. It took Abraham to get to the place where he was laughing at God's plan, where God said, now we're ready. Now we're ready. But 25 years of not yet get out of the tent his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts get out of the tent it's not just what's in front of us it's not just what we see it's not just what we're we have in front of us god can be working behind the scenes and underneath but often we assume that he's not doing anything 25 years this went on and all god did was remind him here's the plan I don't have to explain myself. Here's the plan. And you can see Abraham and Sarah, how they walked through this, stumbling in the right direction, was full of ups and downs. But finally, after he laughed about it, God gave him a time frame and says, all right, now we've gotten to this place. This time next year, you will have your son. Chapter 21. See, look at that. We got through chapters 12 all the way through 21. I still got some time left. Chapter 21, verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. Did you catch that? He was gracious to Sarah as he had said. Exactly like he had promised. This is the plan. 
as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. No empty nester stage there. Back to diapers. Can you imagine being 100 and going back to, anyway. Whew. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Now, if you go down to verse 5, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born to him. 25 years of not yets. Until finally God says, hey, I'm ready. But again, I go back to the moment that that changed when he laughed at God. Craig Rochelle said it this way. He said, if God met your expectations every time, he would never have a chance to exceed them. And our God, the God that I know of in here, the God that I know of in here, the God that I believe in, the God that I rely on, that God does exceedingly more than anything we could ever ask or imagine. That's our God. He's not a God of the status quo. Like, here's what you expect. Great, that's what I'm going to give you. When he first gave this plan over to Abraham and his wife when he was 75, they were expecting, well, great, this is going to probably happen like now because we're not getting any younger. God says, no, no, that'd be too easy. I want to get to the place where you laugh at my face. I want to get to the place where, Abraham, you're laughing at my plan. Then I can do a real miracle. The lower our expectations get, we lower God, our expectation of God to the place where it's not a miracle anymore. Where we can explain it away. Well, that was good luck or that was chance or I had a lot to do with it. God wanted to get Abraham and his wife to a place where they laughed and said, there is no way this is possible. And God says, exactly. Watch me do it. If God met our every expectation every time, he would never have the opportunity or chance to exceed them. And that's what our God loves to do. He loves to exceed these expectations, even if it does take 25 years in a story. He loves to do and measure them more. That's what Ephesians 3 says. That praise be to him. He is a God that does increasingly and immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or imagine. Abundantly more than anything we could ever ask or imagine. That's our God. He exceeds what we expect. So may we never lower that expectation of what God can do. Know it may not be in our time frame. Know it may not be the way that we think it should go or the way that we had planned for it to go. But let him continue to exceed our expectations. And yes, it may take a while. 25 years it took for God's plan to come into fruition. Now, like Abram and Sarah, Sarah did at one point in their life, they tried to go through this fix-it mode. And, and I'm not saying we have no part in, in the plans that we make and the plans that God makes for us and our, on our behalf. Sure, there, there's always things that we can do. I don't, I'm not saying we just sit on our hands and wait all the time. But, but we have to be careful not to take God's role away from him. Right? We said last week, he's the king, and I'm not. Exactly. And so from that, the whole point was, let God do what only God can do, and, and we continue to be who we are, a servant of his. Instead of trying to take the reins and take his job and let me help you out, we let him stay in control. It's his plans, it's his promise, his ways, not mine, his thoughts, not mine. So instead of just always trying to fix everything, which is our natural tendency, what if we just remembered? Because that's what God kept doing for Abram and his wife, right? Right? Every time they, they struggled, he just says, remember the plan, remember what I promised you. He didn't explain it, he just said, let me just remind you. So my suggestion, and what we see through scripture is instead of trying to fix everything that doesn't go as planned, what if we just had some things we remembered? Every time something doesn't go as planned, we had a couple things that we remember. Now, of course, things are going to not go as planned all the time, 
But, man, we're talking about some major things here. We're talking about a plan for kids with a couple that were, were unable to have kids. So, I mean, sure, when Chick-fil-A closes for, like, two months, not as planned, maybe that's not exactly what Scripture's talking about here. But in other areas of our life, major areas of our life, let me give you two things to remember. Two things to remember. The first one I already shared. If God meets your every expectation every time, he'll never have the chance to exceed them. In other words, let God be God. Get out of your tent and look to the stars and say, man, God, you are going to do something bigger. And I don't understand it and I don't get it. But I want to see you do something greater than I can ask. I want to see you do something more than I could ever imagine. That's what I want to see, God. And sure, it may take a long time, but what if he exceeded my very own expectations? So remember that. Instead of keeping our status quo and lowering our expectations to the place where we settle for a non-miracle, are we willing to wait, keep our expectations high for God to do something we can never fathom? If God meets your every expectation every time, he'll never have the chance to exceed them. Second one, get out of the tent. Just get out of the tent. When, when things don't go as planned, we, we get stuck in our own tent and what we see and what we feel and what we want and what we desire and what we hope and what we're praying for. And God's like, get out of the tent and look to the stars. Just because that's what you want doesn't mean that's what I want. Just because that's your plan doesn't mean that's my plan. Get out of the tent. Look up and see the creator. See the God who created the stars and put them in their place. The God of the universe. Get out of the tent. See, we get stuck in that tent because we don't see and we don't hear. We don't feel like God is moving. But like I've been saying, even though we don't see it, hear it, or feel it, doesn't mean he's not doing anything. Right? So if you plant a garden, you put a seed in the ground, and you start watching the dirt, excited for this plant to grow, you're stuck looking at dirt, and then nothing happens. You're like, well, I'm doing everything I should. I'm watering it. It's got enough light. It's good soil. And then we start to get angry at the dirt. Well, why aren't you doing anything? Dirt, we get angry at the seed. Well, why aren't you growing? Days and weeks and months pass by, and then finally, just a little sprout and just our world is perfect again. The clouds part and a hallelujah chorus sings on our tiny little seedling. It's working, it's working. And then we say, what took you so long? Well, if you were to look underneath the dirt, what would you see being grown and developed? Roots. See, we get excited about the fruit, but we don't like it when the roots are being grown. Fruit and roots, they rhyme. You should write that down. That's a good thing to remember. <laughs> You can't see fruit until the root is grown and the root is developed, but nobody likes waiting for the roots to be developed and the roots to be grown. We get excited about when the fruit actually happens. But you cannot have fruit without a what? A root. You cannot have fruit without a root and you have to be willing to wait. So instead of complaining, what if we said, God, what are you growing in me? What are you developing in me? What needs to happen first before I'm ready for what you've promised me? Instead of comparing to everybody else, I have no doubt Abram and Sarah would have said, well, everybody else has their kids. Instead of comparing, what is God teaching me? What is he getting me ready for? Get out of the tent. Get out of the tent, look at the stars, and begin to see what God might be doing under the surface. Just because God is working behind the scenes and under the surface doesn't mean he's not working. Get out of the tent, look at the stars. Let me show you one last thing. Out of Galatians Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. I want you to see how far this plan went. Here's what Paul, the Apostle Paul, this is New Testament, Genesis, Old Testament. Now we're in the New Testament. Chapter, th chapter 3, verse 29. Look at what Paul says. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
Now, when Abraham was 75 years old and God laid out this big plan for him, do you think that Abraham had any idea how big this plan went? No way. Did he have any idea that the plan that God was putting in place would go not just generations, but thousands of years, cross oceans to people he never even could fathom to where we as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are his heirs. We are, as it says here, Abraham's seed. You talk about a God that exceeds expectations. You have no idea what God is doing behind the scenes and beneath the surface. You have no idea what God could be orchestrating and planning and developing and moving and getting ready. Abraham and his wife had no idea how big this plan was and how impactful it would be. Get out of the tent. Look at the stars. What might God be doing? If you're a believer in Jesus, then one of the things we do believe is, yes, God cares for us. He loves us. That's unconditional. And he's working for us. But remember, Abraham believed but still struggled. You're allowed to struggle. But don't lower your expectations of God. Don't lower expectations of God to a place where it's not a miracle when it happens. Keep your expectations so high that when it happens, there's no other explanation other than it had to be God. Laugh at God's plans of how ridiculous they might seem. But when it happens, there's no other way to explain it away. Keep your expectations high of him, even when things don't go as planned. Get out of the tent, especially when things don't go as planned, because you never know what God is planting and developing behind the scenes and beneath the surface. I've seen this in my own family. Uh, my dad, when growing up, not a Christian, not a homin, believers, and uh, thought he could make it through life on a basketball scholarship due to some bad life choices, got kicked out of school, lost his basketball scholarship, all of that. So he's at home figuring out, you know, drinking away what he's going to do with the rest of his life, trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And a little old lady comes up and knocks on his door in Louisville, Kentucky. Knocks on the door. My dad hung over, opens the door, and this lady invites my dad to church. My dad said some words that you usually don't say to an old lady inviting you to church. But then she noticed he's pretty tall and said, well, you, you know, we have a basketball team. And he, and he said, well, you have a basketball team. Said, well, I'll go to that. So my dad went to church for the first time to play basketball. And as he played basketball, he noticed some, some of the other college-age students and young adults hanging around. And he noticed a very pretty girl who is my mom and said, wow, this church is great. They have basketball and pretty girls. I'll come back. And he came back. God got a hold of his life. He gave his life back to Jesus. My dad went to school, went to seminary. He's been in ministry over 40 years, retired last summer. He's worked in churches in Kansas and Ohio and Kentucky and has had an impact more than I could even begin to pray for. And I get to stand before you today because of a little old lady knocking on a door. You have no idea what God is orchestrating. You have no idea the depths that God is making your roots go. Keep your expectations high. Get out of the tent. And be ready to be amazed at what God will do. Maybe a while. But God is good. And as we said, he's the king. And I'm not. Here's what I want you to do. If you'll close your eyes with me real quick. And I want you to put in the front of your mind that thing that's not going according to plan. 
whatever that thing is, we all have them. It's my relationships aren't going the way that I want. My marriage isn't going the way that I want. Uh, the raising my kids isn't going the way that I was planning. Our financial situation is far from what we were planning. Our job situation, our location, whatever it is, I want that in the front of your mind right now. Jesus, we know that things don't always go as planned. And, and in fact, you, you tell us to get ready for that. You tell us that there's going to be troubles and there's going to be difficulties, and we know that things are not always going to go as planned. So help us to remember that you're in charge and we're not. Help us to remember that you are a God that exceeds our expectations, so may we keep our expectations high. May we remember that you are a God above our ways and above our thoughts, and that we simply need to get out of the tent and look up at the stars and see how big you really are. Our problems and our issues, our situations and circumstances may not be fixed, probably won't be fixed by the time we walk out of these doors, but our attitude and our mindset and our perspective most certainly can change. So God, change what can be changed in us. May we change what we see. May we change how we think. Ultimately, may we change so that we believe and have more and more faith in you. You tell us we will need faith, so may we have the faith required. In Jesus' name.